Happy Mother's Day again to all of you, and welcome back to week three of Your Modern Family. This is for everybody. It's for 16-year-olds and 60-year-olds and singles and married people. We're all sons. We're all daughters. And today I want to talk to you about that, how to become a great son, how to be a great daughter. And many of you are already. But go online and, and make sure you catch up on the first two weeks if you haven't seen it already. We're building on a foundation of how to have covenant relationships, which is so different than this world projects to us, relationships based on contract and on convenience. So go back and pick that up, and we're going to look at a brand new uh, message today. Uh, pull out your outline and your notes. Get something to write with. You'll find a little outline in your program, and you can follow along with the scriptures on the screen. If you have a Bible, go to the passage of Ephesians chapter 6 and put a marker in Hebrews 12. We'll come there later in the message. I recognize I'm going to talk to uh, parents a lot today, but if you're single, if you don't have children, well, let me ask you this. How many of you are parents of, of young children, small children in the home? How many of you? Okay, great. How many of you parents of teenagers? Parents of teenagers? All right. How many of you parents of adult children? You've got grown-up kids? All right. Grown-up kids still in the home. How many of you are parents of grown-up kids still? Okay, we have special prayer for you after the service. <laughs> And for those of you who are single or your kids are already gone or you, you never had children, listen, we are all children of God. And every time we open up God's word, there is something that God can speak to us. So I encourage you, don't filter me out today and say, well, he's talking to married people or to parents because God has something to say to you specifically about how he sees you. Because after all, the goal of parenting, you're going to see, is very much about us becoming great sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And so I challenge you just to come along with me today because uh, I'm telling you principles that come, that, that are inherited. I've been teaching about the power of an intact, multi-generational family and the generational intelligence that can get passed down. And the principles I'm gonna share with you today from God's Word are what has made our family successful and our kids successful and what will cause you to be successful as well. So we're going to look at this passage in Ephesians, the quintessential wisdom on how to be a great son or daughter. This is the first part in the Bible. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes Moses, who wrote this 400 years before Paul, and this is 3,400 years or so before we're reading it. So this is ancient wisdom. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Look at this, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Notice the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you, that you may live out the full number of your days. You may live out a long, that's a definition of success. You want to be a great son, a great daughter, because that's God's definition of success in life. We're going to get into that today. Now, Holy Spirit, help us to hear what you're saying. Talk to us, speak to us, correct us, move us, challenge us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A long life, that it may go well with you. Who doesn't want that? There are many definitions for success in life. The ones that our culture is putting forward are so confused, I don't think many of us know the end goal. We're existing, we're going through life, but we don't really know what is the end goal. What am I really going after? Certainly when it comes to raising kids, I think we're very confused as a culture about what the goal is. What are we trying to do when we deliver uh, these children to adulthood? The prevailing attitudes of the culture today 
are, are two things. Culture says this is the goal. Number one, you want your kid to be happy. Actually, that's code for We don't want them to be unhappy. I mean, anything but that. We don't want them to be miserable, to be moody, to be complaining, to be grumpy. So we will do as parents just about anything not to have moody, grumpy, complaining kids in the home. So whether it's sugar or a smartphone or whatever we need to give them, give them something to make them happy. Like, make them happy. Give them McDonald's. Whatever we have to give them, right? Because we don't want misery in the home. We want them to be happy. That's one of the prevailing goals of our culture. The second goal of parenting is we, we want them to be the best, right? We want them to be the absolute best at everything, and I think this is a driving force, especially in our little bubble right around here. We sign them up for anything that will make them socially adept and experientially rich and academically well-rounded and athletically superior, and we'll hire coaches and we'll hire tutors to make sure that they can run faster and jump further and sing clearer and hit harder and test higher than any other kid. That's what we're going after. That's a lot of pressure. Who knows that? That's pressure. Is it any wonder then when the kid hits about 16 and they're going, sheesh, and they've had everything, but they're still not happy, and they're living under so much pressure that they want to escape into all kinds of things that you would say, that's so self-destructive. What are you doing? It's not working for our culture. You see, if those are the two definitions we're going by, I want my kids to be happy and I want to be the best, we are, we are setting them up for something far less than God designed for them and what he designed them for. There's a greater purpose. There's something much higher in the scriptures about what it is to be successful in life. How can they go through all of their days? It goes well for them. They live out a rich, long, happy, successful life. We want to find out what that is today. What's the goal? And this scripture passage told us that the end goal of life is to be a great son or daughter. You see, here's why. If you're a great son and daughter to your earthly mom and dad, you'll be a great son and daughter to your heavenly father. If you're a great son and daughter to your heavenly father, he will bless you. And when you are blessed, you will live out your days. It will go well with you, and you'll have that rich life. That's, that's the successful life. There are so many scriptures that I went through that I can't tell them to you all today. I've written many of them in your outline. We can't cover them all today. But I want to narrow it down to the four essential qualities of what it means to be a great son or daughter. These are the characteristics that if you cultivate these in your lives, you'll be a great son, you'll be a great daughter, and you will have success in life. Do you want to know what they are? Yeah. All right, here they are. And again, this is what was passed on down to me. You could almost call this, like if we had a little family coat of arms now, we would have these words embedded on them. This is what it means to be successful. Number one, great sons and daughters are grateful. <laughs> it seems so obvious, but a great son or daughter knows how to feel and show appreciation. They know how to say thank you and mean it from the heart. They are grateful. Do you know that gratitude is the most healthy emotion that you can have? Do you know that, that when you're grateful, you actually scientifically now, we know this, you have access to higher brain function? Like higher brain functions like wisdom, creativity, and inspiration, they come when you're grateful. When you're not grateful, when you're mad at somebody, when you're discouraged or depressed, all you have left of your brain function are analysis and memory, which is why you keep rehearsing the same bad stuff over and over and over. So if you want to be successful, you have to break out of that kind of thinking and move to gratitude. How can I move myself up? I wrote about this on my blog this week. More on that later. But you've got to get somehow to gratitude. First, most important character quality 
and characteristic of a successful person. The second one is respect. Grateful sons and daughters know how to show respect. They are respectful. They respect, they have, the scripture says the fear of the Lord or the respect of the Lord, the, the, the sense of awe or the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise knowledge. They, they turn away from instruction. And so there's a great sense of, um, man, I don't know everything that there are people that know more than me, that there are people God put in my life to train me and teach me, and, and God is the one I'm looking for for direction, and he's the source of everything. I mean, there's such a great respect. Out of that comes, you know, love for God and love for other people and respect for yourself. You see, teenager, this is what, what more than anything I want for you, that you would be grateful and that you would have this incredible respect for your mom and dad and respect for yourself, that you know how to stand apart from everybody else, and you can be a leader and not a follower. The third characteristic is integrity. And let me define that because I don't think we understand that word too much in our culture either. We usually just mean, well, we're a good person. But integrity in the Bible, Jesus said, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. And that word means complete or whole. That means you're just the same person. Let me say it even more clear. You are your word. That there's no differentiation between what you say and what you do. Right? What a great definition. That's the Bible's definition of integrity, that, that, that what I, when I say I'm going to do something, I do it when I say I'm going to do it. That's all integrity really is at the end of the day, that, that people would look at you and they would say when they talk, when they speak, it's going to be done. Do you realize the power of that person? Do you realize the incredible, uh, over time, the, the capacity of that person's life as people start to say, you know what, when she makes a promise, it's as good as done. When he speaks, it's going to happen. I want to tell you, a teenager that walks into a room displaying those qualities so far, gratitude, respect, when they say something, it gets done, they'll, they'll own every room they walk into. They're the greatest leaders in our culture. In fact, every company is looking for that young man or that young woman. They're saying, I want that person to join my team. This is, this is a definition of success. Does that make sense? So, so a young person walks in knowing who they are. I have, I have great gratitude for what's been given to me. I respect God. I, I have, I, I'm a person of my word. And when I break my word, if something happens, I honor it by, by, by doing what I promised in the beginning. I mean, I own up to it, and I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. It's powerful. I've been teaching this for the last several years to our teenagers in our church. And a few years ago, uh, two years ago, one of the principals of our local school district uh, Will Hurst, of the principal of Hoosier Road Elementary, was listening to the talk and came up after and said, you know, what you're really giving these kids is a vision for their life. You're giving them, you're showing them how to live on purpose. He says, you ought to add a P to this. Then you could tell them to get a grip. <laughs> and I said, he just, he, it, was, it was incredible. It was brilliant, actually, because we've lived the first three. That's just been part of it. But, but Will was able to see something from another angle and says, you're teaching people how to live on purpose. And there's so many scriptures in the Bible about living on purpose. That's the fourth thing. Uh, people who have success, they live purposefully in pursuit of God and his plan and his, and his purpose. Will took that back to Hoosier Road, and for the last two years, they developed a character, leadership-based curriculum for the entire school. And they have deployed grip across all age levels. So they have a behavior matrix 
for what grip looks like. What does gratitude look like for a kindergartner? What does respect look like for a kindergartner? What does integrity look like when you're in the first grade? What does living on purpose mean in the fourth grade? They have that all mapped out. It's, it's probably, it, it's had excellent results. It's working. It's probably going to go across our whole school district. They gave every kid a little orange glow-in-the-dark bracelet that says, get a grip. And we got them, and we're giving one to every one of you today. We've got one for you on the way out the door. It glows in the dark, you know. It's exciting. <laughs> so in the middle of the night, you can say, Darren, get a grip. You know, you can, you can talk to yourself. But, well, but that's what we want. We want you to get a grip on yourself, and we want you to get a grip on your kids because that's God's definition of success. That's what he's up to. That's the goal of God in your life. Now, <laughs> we got to get this into our kids. Because how many of you know that a disobedient child rules the home? That a child that's disobedient changes the atmosphere of a home. You know this, a disobedient child changes the atmosphere of a restaurant. You've been there, I see. And I can't believe it, too. What I see now, more, more often than not, is one of two things. The parents totally ignoring the behavior while all of us are losing our appetite. We don't even want to be there anymore. And they're totally ignoring the child. Or they're doing this. You want a timeout? You want a timeout? I'll give you a timeout. If you, if you don't stop, I'm going to give you a timeout. This little and you're just going, oh, I think that's worse. Stop. You know, that's the, and, you know, <laughs> I never got a timeout when I was a little kid. I mean, you can use timeout maybe on some teenagers older, but on little tiny kids, I don't think it works. It, timeout's not in the Bible. Let's, let me let you know that. Okay? <laughs> How are you going to get this? into your little kids. I want to talk to the parents for just a moment of small children, but listen, every, this is for everybody because this is really how your Heavenly Father treats you. And as I talk to the young parents for a few minutes, you're going to see some incredible parallels of how God responds to you as his son or daughter, okay? So how do you raise a great son and daughter who has a grip and will be successful. Well, let me put up this scripture for you. Proverbs chapter 23 in the New King James. I love it. Look at this. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. <laughs> oh, say it, Darren. Say it. You know, you, I, think that was, I think that was one of my, my dad's favorite verses for me growing up. I'm pretty sure. This is not just a peace in the home situation. Look what he goes on to say. This is bigger than that. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Let me, a lot of people don't realize a lot of reasons why kids struggle with authority in school or with the law or later on in life is because they never learn how to respect mom and dad in the home. Let me read you that same passage again from the message translation. It'll be a little more easy to, to process, okay? This is more up to date. Do not be afraid to correct your younger ones. Spanking won't kill them. A good spanking, in fact, might save them from something worse than death. Yeah, what's worse than, see, this is a heaven and a hell issue. Let me show you another scripture here. This is Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Foolishness is bound up. See, not purpose. Foolishness is bound up in a heart of a child, but the wooden spoon will drive it far from him. That's how we translate that in our family, okay? <laughs> little small, little, small little wooden spoon. Now remember this one? You guys all know this one? Spare the rod. Not in the Bible. <laughs> I know we think it is. I know we think that's what the Bible says, but it's not what it says. And, and I, look, look, let me show it to you. Let me, Proverbs chapter 13, 24. He who spares his rod, what? Hates. 
See, how did that get changed? See, I think it's because we don't mind spoiling our kids a little bit. Like, oh, a little spoiler won't hurt them. And so we kind of neutered the scripture. But I, I want to tell you this. Look what it says. He who does not discipline, listen, he hates his child. In fact, if you love them, you'll discipline them promptly. So he, well, listen, the, Solomon's saying you don't really love your kids if you don't discipline them. In fact, you're setting them up for, for, a, for, for being a failure in life not a success. And Paul focused on the how part of this in that scripture that we read earlier when he said this, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. This is not about punishment or wrath. This is not punitive. See, a lot of people think that's what it's about. It's punishment for being a bad boy and a bad girl. You couldn't be more wrong. And we're going to show you that in a moment. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but rather bring them up in training and the admonition of the Lord. So on Father's Day, let me give you a gift, moms. This is for you. The scripture says that the responsibility to discipline is on the dad. It's on the father. That doesn't mean a mom can't discipline. It doesn't mean that a mom shouldn't discipline. It doesn't mean that if you're a single mom and you've got kids in the home that you can't take on that role and do an amazing job with it. But if there is a father in the home, then it's the dad's responsibility to be the one who disciplines. It's his role. It's his job. Um, we're not talking about being harsh or with anger or any kind of child abuse or any kind of punishment type situation, not provoking child to wrath, but in love, in admonition, being a strong, loving presence of discipline and authority in the home. I always told my kids, if you disobey your mom, you're going to get a spanking from me, and you don't want to get a spanking from me. You know what that would do to my little kids? It was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a voice of authority. Not in anger, not in rage, not any kind of out of control, just setting the boundary because not everything in life is a spanking issue. You don't die on every hill. It's not, a, it's not something you throw around. We're not talking about uh, reactivity here, but we are saying my job, my end goal is to bring these children to be grateful, respectful, young men and women who have integrity, that know how to keep their word, that don't lie, they tell the truth, and they live on purpose for God. So I gotta, I've got to be thinking of the end goal. And kids who grow up in a home where somebody's thinking about the end goal for them and correcting them to that goal, that's the happiest home a child could ever be in. And that's how they'll be successful in life. So let me give you the six steps, young parents, about how you discipline correctly, and for the rest of you, this is how God disciplines us. Number one, give them clear expectations. you got to be clear. You can't expect them to follow if you're not clear about, here's what I want you to do, and here are the consequences. Like this young mom in uh, Vincennes, Indiana, who worked... <laughs> Wait till you hear the story. All right. <laughs> so I was in this young mom in Vincennes... Six kids, all alone, works hard, comes home from work, and the six kids are in the living room, huddled in a circle, whispering to one another. Her curiosity is up. She walks over, looks into the center of the circle, and she's horrified to look over their heads and see six baby skunks in the middle of the living room. So horrified. She doesn't know what to do. She just, kids, run now. And they each picked up a skunk and ran through the house. <laughs> So you got to be clear about what you're going for. Like, what do you actually want? What's the outcome you're looking for here? You, you can't be general with children. They have brain damage, okay? You can't, you can't just say, hey, you need to clean your room. And then, you, like, six days go by, and they're like, what? 
No, I told you, and you're frustrated. My, my, my wife, she used to struggle with this one with our kids. And I said, no, 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 you got to say it this way. What I want you to do, clean my room. When did I tell you? By 6 o'clock tonight. You see? When do you want this done? I mean, be specific, be clear, and let there be consequences. You know, when my, when my little, one of my, one of my kids, when they were real little, three years old, had the habit of just taking the food and just throwing it off the high chair onto the floor. And my wife told me about this, so I came home and I got in my little child's face and said, sweetie, listen, do not throw your food on the floor anymore. Do not disobey daddy. Do not throw the food on the floor. If you throw your food on the floor, daddy's going to give you a spanking. So this child watches me for the next two minutes, and I watch this child go like this, reach her hand out. And three years old, I said, do you understand, daddy? She goes, "Uh uh-huh. Looks at the food, looks at the floor, looks at me, perfect comprehension. But she's watching me now and reaches out her hand, grabs the sippy cup, (laughs) holds it over the edge and goes, it's like watching pure evil right there because... (laughs) Because you're smart enough at three to know that he said food, but he didn't say anything about this sip, so let's just try that about, big man. And, <laughs> and I'm looking at this. So, I, so you know what? I wasn't clear. So I picked it up, and I put it back up on the table. and says, listen, I want to be more clear with you, sweetie. If you throw anything off your tray, you throw your food, you throw your sippy cup, you throw your spoon, daddy's going to give you a spanking. Do not throw. Do you understand what I'm saying? A couple minutes later, She's got one little spaghetti noodle, and she's just kind of dangling it over the edge, just holding it there. Don't think she doesn't know what she's doing. I'm watching her. I says, Daddy said, real calm, you drop that noodle. You drop any food on the floor, Daddy's going to give you a spanking. So we kind of forgot about it, went on. By the end of dinner, she did her thing, what she was doing. She stood straight up, said, I'm all finished, picked up the plate and threw it on the floor. That's my second point. That's when you need to get a grip on yourself, Okay. <laughs> That's, number, that's, that's the second point. Get a grip on yourself, which is at that moment you're praying, God, give me one good reason to be grateful for this child. I need to be grateful. I have to go to gratitude right now because, you know, that's where. And then respect is good because this is a human being that needs to live. So we need to respect this life. And uh, God, this is one of yours that you gave me to raise, and I need to represent you. It's not all about me. So there's some respect here. And then integrity, which is, was I clear? Because if I wasn't clear, I can't discipline, but if I was clear, then I need to keep my word. So I did. <laughs> Get a grip on yourself. The scripture says you got to be very careful about this. L- listen to what, you will be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And here's the important part. You can't, human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. You, you want righteousness, you want success to come out of the situation, you can't be angry. you got to get a grip on yourself. You pray. The third one is keep your word, though. If you've been clear, get their attention and get control. There, you don't have to raise your voice to do this. You can do this very quietly. In fact, you just get down really quietly and say, you're disobeying daddy right now. If you continue to disobey, I'm going to spank you. And we would always, if we were even in public, I wouldn't just very quietly just get down their ear by the table. You're disobeying daddy right now. If you continue to disobey, I'm taking you to the bathroom. Do you know what's going to happen if we go in the bathroom? Daddy's going to spank you harder than he spanked any child ever. And it's, no, I didn't. No, if if we go in the bathroom, if we go go in the bathroom, you know what's going to happen? And one of my child was so smart, she would start yelling out, Daddy, I don't want to go to the bathroom. I don't want a spanking. Like to kind of embarrass me, you know, in front of everybody. It's so smart. They're just geniuses, and I would say, real quietly, if you continue to yell and you continue to be, make a scene, I'm taking you to the bathroom right now. 
And I would have to say this. You can get control and get their attention, and then you got to follow through. But we, you see, the goal is not to spank your child. The goal is to get them to obey. You see, it wasn't about food on the floor, and it's not about punishment. At this point, it's about something bigger. It's about giving correction and not condemnation. And I want you to write this down. I'm going to spend some time here. It's about correction, not condemnation. You're not trying to punish them. It's not about you made a mess on the floor. I need to beat you. You know, It's a tool of correction. I don't want to hurt them. I want to get their attention and drive foolishness from them. By nature, children are not grateful. They're selfish. They were born me, my, the world is about me. They're not respectful either. A child is rebellious by nature. I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do. I do what I want to do when I want to do it. Does a child have integrity when they're little? Are they more likely to lie to you when they're caught doing something wrong or tell you the truth? Don't have to answer that one. They're not purposeful. They, they're foolish. And so the job of correction is, is that this is the way they came into the world. If I'm going to help them be successful, I have to correct them and bring them to some totally opposite values, gratitude, respect, integrity, and on purpose. And so you love them so much that you want to correct that behavior. This is where it can never go into condemnation, which is what most of us have seen. You are a bad boy. You're a bad girl. Don't ever say that to your child. They're not a bad boy. They're not a bad girl. They're, they're a, a good girl or a good boy that just did a bad thing. And there's a big difference. Somebody shoot me? Am I offending you here? Or <laughs> just miss or what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's just a sermon. You know, you don't have to like it or... So, so you want to not condemn them. You don't want to condemn them or because they're not bad. They did a bad thing. I mean, that's how God treats you. If you ever hear in your head, you're a loser, you're a failure, you're no good, you're terrible, that's not God talking to you. That's the enemy of God. That's Satan speaking because God says something very specific. It's amazing. You know this. When God wants something you're changing your life, he'll, be very, he'll say, that right there, that needs to change. That needs to stop. That's the voice of God. He'll come and he'll put his finger on something and he'll identify it, but he'll never tell you that you're bad. I'm amazed at people who will not, they think spanking is barbaric and they won't do that, but they will verbally abuse and berate. Mommy doesn't love you when you're bad. What? I've heard that in public. In fact, the whole idea of disciplining your child in public, and that's, that is so, op- that doesn't preserve a child's dignity. You want to always do this in private, and aren't you glad God does that with you? I mean, for the most part, God deals with you in the private place of your heart, and he'll speak to you. And so he doesn't embarrass you or shame you. But but there are people today who grow up, they don't have any ability to even receive correction because somewhere in their life, discipline was associated with shame and condemnation. You try to bring one little word of correction today, and it's this, it's like, whoa, I'm not saying you're bad. You just got to change this one thing. You know, no capacity because it's always been associated with shame. So you don't want to do that to your child. I've got a, some police officers in this church, and one of them told me recently that they were called to, 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 to a car that was pulled over on the side of the road. The m- mom had called 911, a 7-year-old boy and an 8-year-old boy in the back, and she told them, you guys are so out of control. She called 911 to call the police and said, mommy's calling the police to take you because you're so bad. They pulled up and like, what are we going to do with this? this is n-. See, I just want to say that words... I mean, the words that that mom pronounced over those boys are going to have way more of a damaging effect. See, when you say things over your kids, you kind of set them on the course for their life, where they're headed. You never shame. You're very specific 
And that's why you always take your child to his private place to correct them. And you say, very, you know, were you clear? Don't do this. Daddy's going to spank you if you do this. What did I say to you? And they're going, uh-huh. And then when they punch their sister, you know, and you just said to three times not to do it, then you go into the little place with them and you say, what did daddy say to do? Not punch my sister. See, you're not spanking now because they're bad or because you're mad. It's because they disobeyed. It's very clear. You disobeyed three times, and so that's why this is happening now. Here's the consequence. You know, daddy said, don't duct tape your sister to the basketball goal. <laughs> True story. I love you, but why would you do that? <laughs> you cannot hit your sister in the car. My, 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 we, my wife would, had the two girls in the back, and one would always just punch the other. And I'm not going to tell you which one, just imagine. And, um, and, uh, and, and she would say, you need to not hit your sister. The other one's crying. Did you hit her? Uh-uh, total lie. So she would hold up this little wooden spoon. We actually kept a wooden spoon in the car for about a year. You know, that's where we had to keep it. And she would say, you know, if you hit your sister again, she's driving along a couple minutes later in the rearview mirror, you know, just... So that has to be driven out from a child. And we're not talking about abuse. We're not talking about any kind of anger or rage or any kind of, you know, reactive punishment. <laughs> we're talking about a temporary sting, okay, on the skin in a place where God gave us a pad. <laughs> it's just that simple. It's just, it's just what God made it for. That's God. Listen, I'm just, I'm not, this is God's wisdom. You do with it what you want. This is God's wisdom. You want to raise a successful child and deliver them from hell, the scriptures say. Here's, the, here's the, the fifth step. Give love, affection, and forgiveness. This is so important. Very quickly, when it's over, it's, it's hugging and holding and loving. That little, little boy, it's okay, it's okay. Daddy loves you. And then say this, Daddy forgives you. It's so important to say that first. Because that's what God does with us. He doesn't wait for us to come to forgiveness. God actually initiates forgiveness to us. So you're telling your child, it's okay, Daddy forgives you. He loves you. Now stop. Stop crying. <laughs> okay, Daddy. <laughs> no, just stop, 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 stop. Now ask Daddy to forgive you, okay? Okay, Daddy, please forgive me for what? For hitting, your, for hitting my sister. <laughs> okay, so let's tell God that now. I forgive you. Let's tell God. God, I'm sorry for hitting my sister. <laughs> you know, and just... We would pray, and I would pray for them. God, thank you for my son. He's so wise. He's learning. I love him. He's going to be a great son and daughter, or a great son, you know, great son. God, thank you. <laughs> I'm just preaching. It's just kind of mixed up. But, <laughs> but you hold him, and you love him, and you just thank him. You thank God for him, and you, 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 you let them know that, that there's so much affection and love and forgiveness. And then the last one is get it over with quickly. I don't know why people don't do this. Now, you stay in your room and you think about what the bad thing that you did. And so many families live with this, like, prolonged sense of frigid ice in the, in the house. And there's this, there's this sense of, you know, well, you're not totally back in the good books yet. And the kid doesn't know where they stand and they're insecure. And you need to write there and then let them know that they asked for forgiveness. You brought the correction. It's over. It's done. And I would say have some fun right then. I don't know how we learned this, but we just sort of became part of the way we did it in our family. I would, like, get up and reach for the door, and I'd pull it back fast and pretend it smacked me in the face. I would do this all the time. And I'd fall down and, oh, and my kids would laugh, and I would tickle them and stuff. And you know what that's about? That's just about we're back to normal. Like, we're having fun. We're just back to normal. There's no judgment hanging over your head. You know, let's go have some milk and a cookie. Let's, let's hang out. Let's play. 
And that is so important for a child to know because that's how God treats you. He doesn't hold judgment over your head. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you can't just teach those words to your children. you got to show them. See, this is what God's really up to in your life. You are the only Bible that some people will ever see during certain points in their life. You're the only view of God that some people will ever see. So, God, what are you making in me? God, make me grateful and respectful and give me integrity. And make me a man and a woman that pursues your purpose. Now, parenting's hard. It's not for wimps. It's not easy. Some of you never had this growing up. Some of you never even saw this. And that wasn't your fault. It's not your fault. And God loves you and And that's what he's up to in your life today. He's actually arranging life. You know, the scriptures say, don't think it's strange when these trials and problems and difficulties come to you, like as if something weird were happening. God is actually, he's working these things out to shape you. What is he after? He's trying to teach you four specific qualities that are all through scripture. And the sooner you come to that, the sooner you've learned the lesson and you move on and you become who God wants you to be. I want you to read this, this scripture passage with me in Hebrews as we close today that just sort of shows you exactly what God is up to in your life. Take a look at this. Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 5. Have you forgotten the encouraging word God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. See, that's what's going on with life. God is using life to bring you onto his path. And you can cooperate with that and get on with what he's trying to teach you or resist him and rebel against him and keep asking, well, why, 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 why God? For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who's never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you, as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate. You're not really his children at all. Like whoever heard the writer is saying of, 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 of somebody who didn't receive discipline. Well, I'm, unfortunately, we live in a different age today. But this is a reminder to us. This is what God's really up to. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and, and live forever, have a long, successful life? See, it's all in the Scripture. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how to do, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. And here's the last part. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in his way. Trained in what way? He's trying to train you to be a great son or daughter. Grateful. To, to respect him, to honor him, to respect others, to respect yourself, to be a person of your word, to keep your word, to honor your word. Now, nobody's perfect. Nobody can keep their word all the time, but we've got to learn how to make promises to God and to other people that even when we don't think we can keep them. That's what covenant's all about. We, we make the promise to a God who does not condemn us or shame us who calls us that when we do break our word for whatever reason, we honor the word that we gave and we admit it and we say, God, I'm just going to re-promise. In fact, let me give you a way that you can put this to the test today. I've got this great quote from Richard Foster from his book, The Celebration of Discipline, and it's a 24-hour get-a-grip test, okay? And I love this. Take a look at this. Starting today, Mother's Day, let's go 24 hours without saying anything negative, anything dishonest, no complaining, 
That's at lunch today. <laughs> no whining, no gossip, no excuses, no minimization, no rationalization, no denial, no defensiveness, no blaming. Don't pass judgment. <laughs> Here's the hard part. This includes body language. No eye rolling. No size of exasperation. No cold shoulders. No clucking of the tongue. I think he means like... <laughs> For 24 hours, assume the world can exist without you correcting everybody and managing the flow of information. For the next 24 hours, every time your head's, I don't even think some of you are going to make it out of the parking lot, really. <laughs> the next 24 hours, and every time you hear cue eye roll, you know, it's like, okay, wait a minute. I want you to make a promise that you don't think you can keep, and then when you roll your eyes, or you do what you said that you weren't going to do, but you do it, that's when you... You learn this little test. Just get present to that moment. You know what, God? I gave my word to you. I broke my word. I want to honor the word that I gave you. I'm going to, for the next 23 and a half hours, <laughs> I'm not going to roll my, re-promise. See, I want you to get, this is how God works. You haven't seen it, but he says there's no condemnation when you, when you mess up. There's just more things to learn. There's consequences to get present to. There's blind spots to see. Honor your word. He wants to make you a great son and daughter. Do you receive this today? I hope this is helpful. All right, I want to I pray for you. Will you bow your heads with me for a second, give you an opportunity to pray with me? Father, you said that if, if we needed wisdom, we could ask for it and you would give it to us. And there's no area more than we need it in than being a parent of children. And for parents in this room, Lord, give them great wisdom. Let this word help them today. I pray, Father, that you would help all of us to become great sons and daughters. Teach us today how to be more grateful. Say, yes, God, that's me. You know, I challenge you. What's one thing you can do today just to be grateful in your thinking, in your actions to your mom, to your family, even your dad? To, Lord, make me a grateful person. Lord, I want to respect you more. I want to show respect to others. I want to respect myself. God, make me a person of my word. Is there a promise you made that, you need to go make right. Is there something you said you would do and you need to honor your word today? Let's put it into action today. God, yes, I'll do that. I'm going to honor my word that I gave. Father, may we all live on purpose, pursuing the plan you have for our lives because your plans for us are good. They're not to harm us, but they're to give us a hope and a future. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Keep coming back. <laughs>